Morning, everybody. Let's all stand. We're going to begin in worship. We're singing, uh, There's Power in the Blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's side. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. your king. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you as days as to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There Good morning. We're glad to see everybody here today. Let's continue and sing it. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam oh praise him oh praise him alleluia 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 thou rushing when that art so strong Clouds that sail in heaven along. Oh, praise him, alleluia. Thou rising morning, praise rejoice. Ye lights of evening, find a voice. Oh, praise him, oh, praise him, alleluia, alleluia. Let all things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him, Alleluia! Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit three in one. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise. Good morning. Welcome to Rosebier this morning. So glad to have you all with us this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us today, so happy to have you. Um, if you could, 
There's a little card on the back of the pew there in front of you that's a visitor's card. If you could fill that out for us just so we can know a little bit more about you, I'm sure to appreciate it. Um, but we do are glad you're with us today. We welcome you. Um, our focus verse for the month of May is Psalms 51, 10 through 12. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word this morning, Father, as we look at it and we, we, we think about it this month and we, we try to apply it to our lives, Father. May we, may we truly seek to have a clean heart, Father, and, and look to follow your, your request, your joy, um, what you want out of our lives, Father, um, so that we be drawn close to you in that close relationship that we need to have with you, Father. Um, we ask, Father, that you just be with each one that's missing today. If we look around our, our auditorium this morning, there's a lot of empty seats. Um, we just pray, Father, that you just uh, be with each one that's away, um, bring them back safely to us. Father, may we actually reach out to them and um, remind them that we love them and miss them. Um, Father, as we go forward in this service, we just ask you to be with Justin. As he brings about our message, Father, may may he be able to focus on the word that you have for us this morning, Father. We lift up our praise team as we continue, Father, in praise to you. May we do it with a joyful heart, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We're singing the song of the month um, here next, so praise the name. It's been a wonderful song for me to get to know and, and learn and worship with. And I pray the same for you, but um, I know for me, you know, I, I'm up here in front of you every week because I recognize how desperately I need Jesus and how much of a sinner I am. And I'm not proud of that, um, but that reminds me of my need for a Savior. That reminds me um, of, of why I want to praise and worship Him for how good He is to me and to each one of us every day. Because we, we, you know, we can sit there and we can think, no matter how good we want to be, we're not good enough. Um, for the righteousness of God, but he loves us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I pray that motivates you to sing with us as we worship every week, and we're going to continue in doing that. Let's all stand and sing, oh, praise the name. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down. tomb the entrance by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone oh The Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ a King. Oh, praise. 
shall return in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and i will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus face oh praise
Amen. At this time, when the kids come forward, they're going to go to the children's church. And we're going to worship with the Revelation song. Creation, I 
Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this day that we can all gather here and worship you. We feel your spirit in this place this morning, Lord, and I just pray if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day that they surrender. And Lord, that you would just, for every person in here, that you would just draw us closer to yourself, that you would reveal yourself to us, help us to focus, just breathe deeply and not worry about all the distractions of life, but to just be in your house and in this place and be fully present um, and hear what you would have us to hear, Lord. We love you. We pray that our lives would always show it, and it's in your holy name I pray. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to Mark chapter 6. We'll begin reading together in verse 32 in just a moment. Mark chapter 6. This morning we're continuing in our reading of the New Testament together and we have entered into the Gospel of Mark. Um, one of my favorite Gospels of the four Gospels we have in Scripture. I love how he covers so much ground and gives us the information that is needed. Uh, and then Luke, I love Luke too because it fills in all of the gaps and the details that he may have um, left out in his... This is probably one of the first Gospels that were written, the uh, Gospel of Mark, for us to have and for us to know and to read and to understand. Um, and, and Mark is, is a man that is... Uh, action, the Gospel is action... And we're looking this morning at a familiar passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. But what I want you to notice about this passage as we walk through it together, this miracle that Jesus performs is not just a stunt, a trick, or a gimmick in order to draw crowds. That's not the purpose that Jesus is performing miracles. That's not the purpose of just drawing crowds and saying, look at me. But the reason why he is performing these miracles and teaching with authority is to reveal his true identity as the Son of God. That he is in fact the Messiah and that none has come before him that is any greater. None will come after him that is greater than he, for he is the true King, the Son of God who will reign for all of eternity. And so that is why he is performing these miracles. To reveal to us and to all of them. Who he really is. The Messiah. The Son of God. So keep that in your mind as we read this passage this morning. If you'll stand to your feet. We'll begin reading in Mark chapter 6. Let's just back up to verse 30 just for a minute. Chapter 6 verse 30. The word of God says this. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And then they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And, they, and when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Let's stop there and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We pray now that you will bless it to our hearing, that you may grant understanding. And we pray by the power of your spirit that you'll speak to our hearts and to our lives. And use this for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we pick up in our text this morning, we see in verse 30 that the disciples have just returned from a mission that Jesus had sent them out on. If you can remember a few... Um, a few verses earlier, a few chapters earlier, we learn about Jesus sending them out two by two to go out and to teach in the name of Jesus and to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. And so they had gone out. Remember, he said, don't pack a bag, don't pack any extra, just go and do and then come back. They come back and they're now coming back excited about all that God had done through them teaching and preaching and performing miracles, healing the sick, and they come back and they can't wait to tell Jesus all that had transpired. And so they come back, they're sharing with Jesus, they had been so busy on this mission, it even says specifically they didn't even have time to eat. So they come back and Jesus tells them, he asked them to come with him to a private place to rest. But Scripture says, as they departed with Jesus, many people saw Jesus and recognized him. And it says in verse 33 that when they saw him, they ran to him, to where he is. Now, an internet, interesting side note about this passage to fully understand is that, remember, Jesus takes the disciples and they get in this boat and they travel ahead to a deserted place. Well, the people see him. They see him, recognize him, and know that he's on the boat with the disciples, and he is going up the shore. And so the people, the crowd, the multitude, run to him. They run to him. Now, what we know historically is this would have been eight miles that they ran in order to meet Jesus. And they ran the eight miles faster than the disciples and Jesus we're in the boat for four miles. It was a shortcut. The boat was four miles on the water. It was eight miles on land. But the multitude, the crowd begins to... Now, not all of them beat them to the shore to where... I'm sure a few of them were a little slower. <laughs> but it says, though, there were some that ran ahead. They knew where he's going. And they ran to meet him eight miles to catch up with Jesus. They're on foot running eight miles in order to catch up with Jesus and the disciples. And, and one of the caveats that I want to share with you is the principle to understand as a church and as a believer. We as a church, we as a believer, we don't just stand here on our property in our building and we, we declare and proclaim to a lost and dying world saying, come here to where we are and meet Jesus. That's not our call from God. Yes, we're to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in here when we meet and give glory and honor to him when we worship. But I think we also see a principle here is that we are to go to people to minister to them right where they are. You see, as a believer, we go to them in this lost and dying world in our community. We go to them, we minister to them, we serve them, we, we love them, we share Jesus with them right where they are. We don't say, hey, you've got to come to our church so you can hear about Jesus. But guess what? Jesus has equipped us with the word of God and the gospel that we can tell them about Jesus right where they are. 
They don't have to come anywhere in order to hear about Jesus. But if we go to them, we serve them, we minister to them, we tell them about Jesus, and when we do that, much like what we see in this passage, people will not only come to Jesus, but they will run to Jesus. When they hear and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they are lost in their sins and doomed for a devil's hell for all of eternity, when they know and understand that, they will come running in order to meet Jesus. You see, that's what it looks like to grow as a church. It's not just to get some members from another church in our other community church and say, y'all come here and let's get really big here. The way we truly grow and the way God had designed the church to grow is to go to lost people, tell them about Jesus so that they may know Jesus. And as they know Jesus, we say, we've got a group of a faith family that you really need to be a part of, that will strengthen you, that will encourage you, that will love you. You will love it. Come with me. That's what it looks like in the New Testament for a church to grow. So, this huge, and so that's just the principle we see in this passage about the people running to Jesus. But there's this huge crowd. They catch up to Jesus. They're surrounding Jesus. And now I want you to notice what happens next. Because what he teaches us is about who Jesus is and how are we to respond to this Jesus. The first thing I want you to notice is the heart of Jesus. Notice in verse 34 about this crowd... Think about just what has transpired. This crowd has intruded on this time with the disciples and Jesus. They are debriefing their mission trip. They're telling about all these miracles that have been performed and about this, the sick who have been healed and the teachings that they had shared with the authority from God. And so they, have, they are now debriefing about this mission trip and now this crowd is interrupting the meeting with Jesus and disciples. They are headed off to a desert, a desolate place, like a private place. It's not a desert because we learn later. Remember where he tells them to sit down on? Green grass. Desert don't have green grass. So we know it's not a desert. But he's telling them into a private place. Why? He's going so they can get some rest, so they can pray, and they can get refueled. And now this big crowd is interrupting, disrupting their meeting. I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes when I have interruption in my day that I don't plan for, it frustrates me, right? I get upset. When I'm on the road going somewhere and I go through road construction and you have to sit there in your car and like I would have been there by now, it's frustrating to have delays, isn't it? But notice the heart of Jesus in his disruption. <laughs> the crowd is interrupting Jesus and disciples, but it says, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He wasn't frustrated. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bothered. Because think about, <laughs> get this, think about the people that were coming. There were many of them that were coming who had already heard about Jesus. And they wasn't coming to Jesus to hear more about Jesus. They were coming to Jesus to get something from Jesus. You know, sometimes as a church, that frustrates us, don't it? That, like, you know, we give away a lot of food at a lot of times, and what we'll sometimes hear people say, well, they're only coming for the food. Do you think this crowd were coming to Jesus just to get Jesus, or do you think they were coming to get something from Jesus? We know the answer to that, right? Because not all of them believe. So just like some of our church people get angry about people coming just to get something, Jesus could have been angry, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't bothered. He wasn't frustrated. He wasn't angry. What was he? Moved with compassion. He had patience and love and kindness towards a crowd that only wanted to get something from him. Instead, he's moved with compassion. He saw, the, notice this, it says he saw the multitude of people as a sheep without a shepherd. Now, what that would have meant for, for this culture, for this understanding, is that a sheep without a shepherd 
was facing uncertain, I mean, absolutely death, right? He didn't have a shepherd to care for him. He didn't have a shepherd to feed him. He didn't have a shepherd to protect him. He didn't have a shepherd to watch over him. And so a sheep without a shepherd was facing certain death in the days to come. And so when he looked up and saw this multitude, he saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. He saw them facing certain death, and it moved him with compassion. Why? Because he looked at them and he knew their lostness. He knew they were lost in their sins, and he knew they needed the truth. They needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They needed to be forgiven of their sins and saved by the grace of God, and it moved him with compassion. So what did he do? It says he began to teach them. Now, he began to give them what they desperately needed. More than they needed physical food, they needed spiritual food that could only come from the Father. They were helpless, starving, in need of spiritual guidance, spiritual protection. And so Jesus, as the great shepherd, caring for a helpless, defenseless flock, watches over his sheep. You see, a shepherd would watch over his sheep, and get this, what we learn about sheep and about shepherds is shepherd would watch over the sheep. Sheep are not real intelligent animals as we learn. And at times they would wander off on their own. <laughs> they're just chasing grass. They just want more grass. And, and they're just going wherever the grass leads. And they don't realize that if they get separated from the flock, they are in real danger. From animals and from getting lost and not being able to find their way back. And if they were literally to fall down on their back and their feet up in the air, they couldn't turn over by themselves. They would lay there and die because they didn't have the ability to roll over. So sheep at times would wander off. But they didn't realize that was the most dangerous move they could ever make. <laughs> to be apart from the shepherd and away from the flock. So after several times of sheep wandering off, a shepherd would take that sheep that's wandered off several times, and he would actually break his leg. And, as he, and that sounds harsh, and that sounds evil, that you wouldn't do to an animal, but he would break his, this sheep's leg, and he would put the sheep on his shoulder and carry the sheep for the time that his leg is healing. And over that time, the sheep would learn the shepherd. He would eat directly from his hands. He would learn the shepherd's voice. He would learn the shepherd's scent. He would learn the shepherd's ways. So much to the point when the sheep was recovered from his broken leg, the sheep would never leave the shepherd's side again. <laughs> because now he knew more than ever that the safest place for him to be was to be close to the shepherd and close to the flock. There's a lot of truth in that. It's very powerful. As a believer, the same is true for us. At times, we think we know what is best for us. We think our way, ways are better than God's ways. We wander off trying our own things in our own time, in our own ways. But God, like a good shepherd, He will not just leave us to ourselves. Praise God for that. He chases us down. He disciplines us. Why? Because He loves us. And through His discipline, we learn the only place to be as a believer that is safe is to be close to the shepherd's side and to be close to the flock of God's people. Like that's the safest and strongest place for a believer to be today is by the shepherd's side and in the flock which we would call a local church. A church that has been designed by God to strengthen and encourage the body of Christ. So Jesus reveals to us his heart. It's a heart that is compassionate for those who are sinful in need of salvation. But the second thing I want you to see is not only his heart, but his hands. And what I want you to get from this particular point when we're talking about his hands, I want you to say, in his heart he was moved with compassion that caused him to act upon his compassion. Like, that's what his heart of compassion for a loss caused him to move into action. What we see is that Jesus is a Savior that shepherds. 
Not only does he guide us and teach us and protect us, but get this, he supplies our needs. Psalm 23 begins like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because our shepherd, Jesus Christ, supplies our most every need. So after Jesus had ministered and taught all day, and the crowds were still standing there. So like, remember what he says, when he saw this crowd of people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, so he goes to them and he begins to teach them. And this was no shallow 20-minute teaching. It says they were basically there for hours as he was teaching them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and their need for, for, for salvation and, and because of their sin. And then he's been there all day and the crowds are still around. And his disciples come to him and say, hey, we're in the middle of nowhere. Remember you led us here to this desolate place, this private place. And now there's thousands of people here. It's getting late. There's no food. We need to let the crowds go so they can go back home in order to get some food. Let's send them away. The disciples quickly realize there's a problem. <laughs> Having thousands of people here in the middle of nowhere with no food and it's time to eat. So at first glance, this sounds like a reasonable request the disciples are making. That let's get them out of here so they can find some food. But get this. What we see as a potential problem Jesus sees as an opportunity to minister. The problems in our life we see as problems, barriers, delays, God sees as an opportunity to minister to us and to those around us in the problems that we so-called see. And so he looks to the disciples and says to them, you give them something to eat. And have you ever wondered in this passage, we've read this passage a million times, right? We, we taught on it. We've learned about it. But he says, you give them something to eat. And they immediately do what? They come up with options of way to provide food for this crowd. First, first, first option is this. We go buy food. We go to town, buy the food, bring back the food for all these people. But when that option, they quickly realize it's costly. And just like any good Baptist church, they realize if something is costly, that must not be the direction we're supposed to go. Right? We no, God's only calling us to the cheap route. Let's go the cheap route. And so they realize, no, no, we can't do that. That's gonna cost two hundred denarii. Two hundred denarii is about eight months' wages, just for everybody basically to have a bite. And so they're like quickly realizing that's not a good option. The second option is we share what we have. And so they find out, so he tells them, Well, how many loaves do you have? They come back and say, you know, this is really expensive. We Surely you wouldn't want us to do that. The second question is, share what you have. They go, the, they, other gospels sharing the same story tells us they find a small boy that has two fish and five loaves of bread. This would have been like a happy meal, okay? This is for a young boy um, that his, mo his mom sent with him as he followed the crowd. Out of all of these people, there was only one smart mom in the crowd, that made sure her son had food when he left the house that day. But they find this young boy who has two fish and five loaves of bread. And when we think of loaves of bread, I think of like what we go to the food giant, you get a loaf that's this big, saying, that's, I mean, you can make a lot of sandwiches with that. These loaves are more like biscuits or crackers. They're small, okay? Small pickled fish, small biscuits, or crackers that the boy had like a Happy Meal. And they come back and say, option two is to share what we have, which is two fish and five loaves of bread. They never gave it a thought to ask Jesus to provide the food. Do you think just for a moment, remember where they just came back from? A mission trip. What did they do on that mission trip? Jesus had given them power and authority to perform miracles in his name and to teach in his name. Do you think he might have been asking them to provide the food for this crowd with the power that he had given them? I don't know. Maybe. But they never thought about it. 
Not only did they not think about using the power that God has given them through the Holy Spirit, but they didn't even think about asking Jesus to provide for this crowd. I mean, here he is, the Messiah, the Son of God, who has performed miracles. He's healed the sick. He's casted out demons. He's calmed the sea. This is the Son of God who will rise from the grave, and they never thought for a moment to ask him to provide the food. Instead, all they could think about is going to the supermarket and buying food or sharing what they have, and they never thought about asking him to provide what they need. This is Jesus' disciples. This is not just some weekend Christian, half-hearted Christian, but these men gave up their livelihood in order to follow Jesus. They've walked with Jesus, they've heard him teach, they've watched him perform these miracles, but it never crossed their minds to ask Jesus to provide this food that they so desperately needed. I don't know about you, but so many times I'm just like the disciples. I'm just like the disciples. When I encounter struggles in my life, frustrations in my life, I immediately try to fix my own problems by my own wisdom, with my own money, in my own way, by my own efforts, with my own strength. And I have the Savior and Creator of the world who's promised to provide for my every need. And many times I fail to ask Him to provide for me. And I don't think I'm the only one like this. One way I can say is because every Sunday morning we have an opportunity to come to the altar and pray and ask God to provide for our needs, to save the lost, and do a powerful work. But many Sundays we go and nobody comes. Nobody comes. I can only take that as we don't have big problems. I can only take that as we can handle this under our own strength and under our own power. I can only take that as we've got this, God. One reason or another, we think either we've got a problem that is too small to bother him and he's got big problems and we don't need to worry with my small problem. Or we think we've got ourselves into this problem, we'll get ourselves out of this problem. Or maybe we think it's too large, the barrier is too big. Like God can do it, but he won't do it because it just takes a lot of work. But the truth is this, we have the Savior of the world who provides for our every need if we'll come and just ask. What the Bible says is many times we have not because we ask not. This is what I've been convicted about, and I hope you don't think I'm pointing this to you. This is what the God is pointing out at me. So convicted about not calling upon the name of the Lord, sharing with Him my every care and my every need and my every problem, and leaving it at His feet. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So Jesus tells the crowd, to sit down on the green grass. He divides them up in the 50s and 100s. And then he takes the five loaves and the two fish and he looks into the heavens and he blesses it. He thanks God for the food and for what he's about to do. And then he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives the food to disciples to distribute to the crowd. And what the scripture says is enough food to be divided among the entire crowd. And what we noticed in the very last verse that we read in verse 44, now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. That don't include the women and the children that were most likely present in this particular crowd. So if you, it, there could have been up to fifteen to 20,000 people in this crowd that would have ate of the fish and the bread that God and Jesus had generously provided for the entire crowd. God provides all that were there and he reveals to us that he is a great provider who provides for our most every need. But that's not it. Not only does he supply, but he satisfies. Verse 42, it says, They all ate and were filled. What that means is the Lord God did not only supply for their need, but he satisfied their need. He didn't just give them a little food to, to hold them over until they could get back home, but they ate and they were filled until they were pushing the baskets away that I've had too much. I can't eat another bite. I am full. Kind of like going to Lambert's 
And they have those little pass-arounds coming around. And at first, they're really good, and you start getting that fried okra. And you start getting all of those stuff. But by the end, you are so stuffed, you couldn't eat another bite. Right? That's what it means to be filled, to be full. And that's where they, these hungry, this hungry crowd, so full that they were pushing the baskets away, that they had 12 baskets left over. This was not just a little snack. Like when you go on an airplane, they give you peanuts that only makes you mad if you're hungry, right? You want more, more. But he provides and he fills them until they are fully satisfied. The teaching that we walk away with this morning is that Jesus, we must rely on Jesus to meet our most every need. From the basic needs to the great needs, Jesus provides for our needs. Not our resources, not our wisdom, not our thoughts, not our opinions, not our traditions. We worry and get bent out of shape over the smallest things in our life. Jesus is telling us to lay down your worries, your fears, your anxieties at his feet. And step out in faith because God is faithful and he will meet your every need just as he did here. So much to the point, he takes up 12 baskets full of the leftover. And I love that part of the passage where there's 12 baskets because there's 12 disciples. And he gives the disciples to go and to provide. And they do. And then they all come back. They all knew what they began with. Two fish and five crackers. And now they come back. And every person in this 15,000 crowd has ate and was full and we still have leftovers. What kind of message do you think was sent to the disciples on this day? How powerful would that have been on that day for the disciples? The truth is we serve a Savior that will satisfy your deepest longing, your deepest desires, and your deepest need. He will satisfy us in a way this world can't. Until we have been made right in the eyes of God, that is, in a right relationship with Jesus, we will continue to walk around this world searching for more joy, more money, more relationships, but it is only Jesus that can satisfy your soul. It is only Jesus that can solve your brokenness, your hurt, your worry, your anxiety. And so we have to stop looking at the world Stop looking within ourselves and look to Jesus for what only Jesus can supply. He is a Savior who will shepherd you. He will watch over you, care for you, protect you. He will supply your most every need and He will satisfy your soul. So the question I want to ask you this morning, what problem or barrier is in your life that is causing you to worry right now? That is causing you anxiety right now? It's causing you pain or hurt right now. And the question is, how can Jesus use that problem to minister to your soul and to minister to those around you? For what the Bible says is come to Jesus. Those who are weary, those who are burdened, those who are broken, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, says, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Let us pray. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for your word. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this reminder as we read through this gospel together again. And I know it's a familiar passage, but God, I pray that in our hearts and in our eyes that you would give us fresh eyes and a fresh heart to see this passage, its meaning, its power, its truth. It's revealing to us today that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who will rule and reign for all of eternity and that you will provide for our most basic need and our greatest need. And Lord, we know right now man's greatest problem is sin. 
That as we're born, we're born into this world and we're far from you and we choose to rebel against you, God. And we pray now for those who are in this room that are not in a right relationship with you. God, we pray today would be the day that you would convict them of their sins and draw them to yourself that they may know you before it's everlasting too late. And then, Lord, for those who do know you but are struggling with worry and anxiety, the weight and the burdens of this world is debilitating. Lord, we pray that you would help us lay our burdens down at your feet and that in its place you'll give us peace and rest. You know the, each and every heart in this room. Have your will in your way that you may be glorified this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Would you come? The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you. Thank you so very much for being here this Sunday morning uh, as we worship together our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. i got a few announcements for you before we are dismissed. Uh, we have made it through 100 days together of reading through our New Testament, uh, so I encourage you to continue that as we are now in Mark 10.
through Mark 14. Uh, so read that together this week. We thank you for your comments that you're making on our Bible app. They are so encouraging and helpful each and every day. And then this Wednesday night, May the 24th at 6 p.m., we're going to have a fish fry and a cornhole tournament. Um, you, you don't have to participate in a cornhole tournament to eat fish. It's okay. It's for everybody. Um, so invite friends and family to come eat with us. But we will also have a cornhole tournament for anybody that would like to. Um, that, that will be for 13 and over. And we're asking you, in order for your teammate, try to find a teammate that doesn't go to Rosebar. Invite them to come um, to be your teammate and participate in this cornhole tournament. There, we will be sharing the gospel this night, so it'll be an awesome opportunity to invite a friend or a family member to come and to participate and to hear the gospel all at the same time. It's going to be wonderful. We'll be eating in the Reach Out Center, and then we'll be playing cornhole outside on the parking lot. Um, so that is Wednesday, May the 24th at 6 p.m. I also need some cornhole boards uh, that we could borrow. So if you have some cornhole boards that we could borrow for that night, we need about six to eight of them. Um, the church has one, and so we need five, six of you to help us out. If you could bring some cornhole boards and let me know that you're bringing them so that I can uh, mark, mark it off how many we've got. Um, so that is Wednesday night. Also, the, the baby bottle campaign. Um, there's some empty baby bottles on the welcome table. If you grab one, put some loose change in it, cash or a check, and it's going to Hope Unlimited uh, for the ministry that they do in Paducah. We'll pray over those on June 18th and send it back. If you have any questions about that, let me know. I think that is about all the information I have for you at this time. Um, I did meant to, uh, to share with you about uh, the Rosebar summer schedule for our children's ministry is on the welcome table. If you want to grab that as you leave, uh, pick that up. Uh, we did have a question about VBS. This year we are, we are not having a VBS at Rosebar this particular year. Um, we are going to plan on that for the upcoming year, but if you have any questions about that, please let me know. Uh, as we look, we're doing some other things. We're doing some family fun nights in June. And we're trying to uh, set up some serving opportunities in this summer. So making it more of a serve summer plan for this upcoming uh, ministry for our summer. But if you have any questions about that, please let me know. If you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed today. Thank you for being here. May God bless you as we leave. Let us go to the Lord in prayer and we will be dismissed. Elijah, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer?